The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Nevada, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how you doing, man? Uh, you know, not another day, another week, another month, another year. Uh, well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, this past uh, Saturday's uh, Future Shock. Uh, what did you think about uh, what you saw from uh, a number of the young talents? And is there anyone that kind of caught your eye that you weren't too familiar with? Uh, overall, I think it went extremely well. Uh, we had one of our students who's been there more than a year, Oliver, uh, Canada. And, you know, he came in and he paid for three months and then he paid for three months and then he kind of disappeared a little bit. Then he came back and it was kind of like, we're trying to get some new talent on there and it's taken this guy a while you know, hopefully, you know, he hit me up like, Hey, what do you think? I'd really like the opportunity, you know, very professional about it. I talked to the trainers and their responses. They weren't really sure, but they felt he's put in enough time to give him an opportunity and to see where he's at. You know, we try to make it as easy as possible for it. For him by putting him in with one of his trainers, Sin Bodhi, who has been doing it for 20 years. So here's a guy who's going to be able to help lead him, not have him to have to make a lot of decisions of what needs to be done. You know, Sin is a is a is a great ring general with other veterans. So with a guy who has never had an official match, uh, you know, it was the best thing for him. And yeah. You know, he, he had his family and friends. They came out. They had the signs. They had the colors. It, it, it was, you know, one of the coolest things I've seen uh, part of our shows. Like, we've run some of the biggest shows with some of the biggest stars on it. But at this little future shock, you know, the room was, it was electric because the other fans got behind him once that whole crew there was into him and stuff. And it was like, you know, I'm pretty sure that whether this guy ever makes it in the, you know, in the big time or not, that this moment on Saturday is going to be something that he'll cherish for the rest of his life. Yeah. And uh, I think too, if, do you think that sin kind of feeds off that as well? in terms of you know uh, a lot of times when you're a veteran so long and you're a trainer um you kind of you know get jaded you kind of block out 
you know, the, the white noise around you, but to have that for one of your students and to, you know, just absorb that atmosphere. Do you think that's what keeps guys like Sin um, kind of young and fresh and wanting to continue in the business and to, to give knowledge and to train people uh, for the future generations? I would think so, because, you know, a lot of times he's going to go on the road. Sin's not available that much to us because uh, once he kind of gave up the Kazarni gimmick and became Sin Bodhi, he created his own persona. And he became a guy who was getting booked a lot as Sin Bodhi, the maniacal clown, you know. But in Vegas, he's so no- well known that until he does something like extremely vicious, like the one time with uh, Funny Bone, and he went crazy on him, the thumbtacks in the cage when Funny Bone was wrestling Cody, you know, in most cases, people still love the clown. So right. it's hard to position him as a heel just because of his long standing in the community. And when you talk to him, he's a nice guy, you know, but the thing is when when you get in this opportunity and the reason why I've always put a sin, a Gregory sharp in those positions are they're very patient. You know, we've had some guys that aren't very patient. So when you bring in a young guy and he kind of fucks up, you know, or he, does, he accidentally hits you too hard. Oh, I got to give him a receipt. And it's like, he's nervous. He's a kid. And, you know, not every not every time is, is, is a receipt deserving. You know what I mean? So it's like, in this case, I can't believe there's no extra enjoyment seeing the crowd respond to this guy. So you would think, or at least I would hope, that sin's like, oh man, we got to make sure this kid looks good. Look at look at the crowd support, you know, for him. And in all honesty, if you watch the match, and it's like, oh Oliver, man, you did great, you did great, you did great. He did great, but he basically sold the whole match. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like he did so much offensively. So there's still a lot of ground that needs to be covered. The thing right. was, he finally got in front of a crowd. He wrestled in front of people. You know, people cared. And, you know, now we go to step two, you know, and on April 9th, you know, he'll get another opportunity and he probably won't be wrestling a guy as experienced as Sin Bodhi. Right. Um, When you look at uh, other people who uh, were on the card, uh, is there any other people that uh, stick out to you? Uh, Anyone that you might have not uh, also seen before that might be from out of town? Well, we added uh, a, a good amount of guys from the Arizona crew. When Best of the West was in town, they used a couple of those guys. We used John Wolfgang, who uh, is involved with the the school with Dom Vitale and Gallo and, and Hammerstone and stuff like that. So we knew what we were getting with him. But again, he he is very inexperienced and he is getting there very, very quickly. You know, he yeah. he is definitely talented understands the business because he was taught well and that's the most important part of things it's learning the right way to do things and it seems like the students there are also you know being taught the right way and they come in very respectful they're not booked on a show they still come down which even guys like that in the past watson and bryn thorne you know they would come down just to help out and hope there might be an opportunity 
And, you know, we, I remember those things. So when right. a spot would arrive, I wouldn't try to get somebody else. I'd say, Hey, Bryn, you want, you want to work a match? Hey, you know, and that's how Watson became a part of it, you know? Yeah. And it was because they put forth the effort of saying, Hey, I really want to be here. I also am willing to help and show you my value and my value today may just be being security. It may be moving some chairs around. Uh, it may be helping set up a ring. It all depends. They, they used to even come to Samstown to help out. You know, maybe they were just looking to watch a really good show for free. Who knows? But at least they made the effort and they drove five hours one way, six hours uh, back and forth to try to get on the radar. You know, again, I get hundreds of emails from people who want an opportunity you know it's hard to give that person an opportunity when they're just as close in california yet those guys from arizona come in now obviously they got to be good enough to 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 work we're not just going to give opportunities uh, right. unless they're deserving but again word of mouth is extremely important when class before he even hit me up and was about to hit me up you know, I already had gotten an email from Hammerstone and Dom Vitale saying there's a guy who is, you know, the creme de la creme of our class, no pun intended. And it was like, you know, he's looking for an opportunity at the Future Shock. And we brought him in and we were like, wow, this, this guy's excellent. And Jordan Cruz was another guy. And yeah. it's usually based on recommendations from other wrestlers because they're going around to the different towns. And they see somebody who they they think's a nice guy who can work, thinks he might be able to help. You know, Remy's always looking for outside talent to to try to bring in on a basis. You know, he he messaged me yesterday about a girl from Chicago who was, you know, interested and, and willing to come out. So we're always looking for new talent. And again, it's a lot easier when somebody who I highly regard recommends that person so yeah um and that goes back uh what was it like for guys for you for guys like um cage brian cage and um and uh la knight eli drake uh sean ricker how was it like back then for you when those guys would come into town and give you recommendations and and have the guys come with them is this kind of been the um, lineage of FSW based on, you know, going all the way back that it, it it's guys who are hungry about the business, bringing uh, other people who are passionate as well. Yeah. It, it was always groups from different companies before with Santino brothers. Now uh, sometimes it's uh, B boys company level up and you know, we, we tried to use a couple of the guys. Unfortunately, there was an issue. Michael Hopkins, who's highly regarded down there. You know, we were going to use him in a match uh, against a Jay Vidal. You know what I mean? Or or then we got lucky. Uh, Danny Limelight happened to be in town, you know, basically riding the coattails of his daughter who was filming a movie out here. So, you know, talk about Danny Limelight. I'll tell you what, man. I... I think right now he is one of the best guys on the microphone in the independent scene 
that I've seen since uh, Sean Ricker back in the day. Like we knew Ricker was like the real deal. And Danny Limelight presents himself. And again, he can get on a lot of people's bad side. And, you know, I think he's a douchebag or whatever. But you know what? He 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 plays his role. He's he, he's not looking to be liked. He's looking yeah. to be respected. And being respected means a hell of a lot more than being liked. Because I know myself, being liked is, is a, a general thing that some people, no matter what you do, they're not going to like you because they feel you're holding them back. So yeah. I can't do this to be liked. I have to do this to be respected. And in most cases with the, my peers and the people I deal with that are on the upper echelons of this business, like a Hammerstone and a Bay and a Cross and a Brian Cage and, you know, too many to mention, uh, a Cepha, you know, they respect for what I've done. And, right. you know, that's what's most important to me is I'm, you know, going out there and trying to get our guys or people perceived as our guys, you know, looked at. And it helps because even the lower end guys are getting bookings on shows because they're throwing out that FSW name. Yeah. I even had, there's a Lucha show that's coming up at the end of April in uh, the Silver Nugget. And all of a sudden I see our fucking logo. I have to message the guy like, bro, they, they, they're using the Suavecitos and I believe Remy Marcel as of now. And it's like our logo is like uh, uh, almost a third of the page of the picture of the Suavecitos. I'm like, hey, bro, do not put our logo on there. That's unprofessional. You're you're trying to use my name to yeah. and, and they responded, you know, that respectfully, hey, we're sorry, blah, blah, blah. You know, we just wanted to let people know, you know, that they were FSW and you know that it would be good to show. And it's like, well, then try working with us. Yeah. You're not renting our ring, you're not using anything but a couple of our guys. I had people at Future Shock hit me up and like, hey, we saw this show at the Silver Nugget. Uh, you guys are part of it. Your logo's on there. And it's like, no. So don't try to sell tickets off that. That You know, involve yourself with us. If you feel that we're such a help to you, then, you know, let us reap some of the benefits. Like yeah. I said, I'm easy to work with. I work with, there's a lot of companies I, I try working with. But don't make it lopsided where you're 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 trying to get mooch off our success in Vegas by saying, "Hey, you know, FSW's involved. Look, we got the Suavecitos and we got Remy Marcel. That don't mean nothing. There there there's shows all over town that have it. You know, same thing. It's like you know, you're not working with us. Don't take credit or act like you are. That's all. Simple. Yeah. Well, and and to the the misdirection of um, then people thinking that it is an FSW show um, or FSW has the involvement, and then let's say the show something happens, you know, where it's negative, you're you're kind of left, kind of in that that uh, weird spot of, you know, hey, we weren't part of this, but at the same time people thought we were so now we're getting you know negative feedback from from this and that's 
that's not good promoting, uh, to say the least. Um, when you look at the upcoming, you know, you, you mentioned Silver Nugget. You're going to have uh, a show coming up, the Day of Reckoning show. It's going to happen on Sunday, March 27th. Uh, ticket information will be coming shortly. Um, but you already have two That's matches. at the arena. That's at FSW oh, Arena. Oh, arena. Okay. All right. I thought it was. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's some new people we had to meet with. So, again, the timing. Uh, we're looking to do the big AEW weekend shows there. So, as of now, it's like we're looking uh, too much going on. And I don't want to rush through everything. So, Day of Reckoning will be, you know, hopefully our biggest arena show of the year. And you already have the tag team championship match. Uh, Toa and Juicy are defending against Hero and Shogun. Um, what is it about Hero and Shogun, do you think, that the fans have gravitated towards? And do we think that there is a cohesiveness between them? Because in the past, we've seen moments where it seems like Shogun and Hero might not be getting along. Well, it seems like at the Mecca, it was really a turnaround. There was a lot of uh, fringe fans, guys who aren't people that aren't like paying attention to everything that's going on in FSW. Uh, one of my co-hosts on the radio show I do on Sunday morning uh, wasn't really aware of, of Hero and Shogun, so they didn't know much about him. And, you know, those were the two guys they were raving about. You know, when they were talking about the show, they loved all the other stuff, but they had never seen Shogun and Hero before. And mm. they were like, wow. So the cohesiveness has really started to pick up more recently because, again, when you do things more than once or twice here and there, you're able to start working together. And now... Yeah when it was decided upon that we were going to make them a regular tag team, you know, the focus has been on that. So, you know, I've given them ideas about, Hey, you know, looking, you know, heroes, the big, you know, the big Samoan Southpaw and Shogun is, is his character, but they still need to bring those two characters to make them one unit. Yeah. And it's like, I told Hero, I don't want you to lose that Samoan uh, heritage and what you bring to the table, but you need to figure it out to where it's it's combined with Shogun stuff. So when we do look at you, we look at you as a unit and not two individuals. Yeah, I think one of the best examples of that from you know my favorite era of tag team wrestling was putting together Strike Force. Um, you know, that came out of the fact that Tom Zink was with Rick Martel when they came in together. And the Can Am connection, uh, Zink uh, was released very shortly after they started that. And then did he release or did he quit? Well, you know, we'll we'll give it we'll give it the old release spin. He was kind of um, out of his mind a little that Tom Zink. Yeah, yeah, R.I.P. Tom Zink too. Um, but but it ended up very well for Martel being teamed with Tito Santana, and they found that gel and connection, you know, in a short period of time. How hard is it 
for two guys who have been focused on singles or in Shogun's case, you know, he had the tag titles with Kenny King, but Kenny is a different style than uh, Hero. Does it take time to mesh that together? And if you rush it too soon, can that backfire on you as a promoter? Well, of course it could backfire, but you also got to understand, despite being singles wrestlers, Shogun and Hero are like best friends. They're around together. They work out together, you know, so it's a little easier to adapt to somebody that you're friends with. You know, when I put the 1% together, Royce and Jarrell were two guys kind of stuck in the mid card uh, with not really a lot of direction. And they would kind of work some random matches. And you could see these guys were pretty good. But when I had the idea for the 1% and I presented it to them, they were guys who took it and ran with it. I've also had those opportunities with other people and they weren't comfortable with it. They didn't want to be in a tag team. And you, number one, you have to want to do it. So it's a lot easier to do it with your friend because you're going to assume eventually you'll get to do your own thing. But, you know, do you want to be on some shows and not most of them or not having a major part in a show? Or do you want to be at the top of the card, but this is what I need from you in a tag team? And if, the, if you guys work hard, there's that potential to be the tag team champions. Now, that's a decision. There's probably, without a doubt, some people who would say, no, nah, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. It, it's kind of like, you know, the student who comes in and he has his idea of what his character is going to be. He's got his name. He has his gear ready to go. And he's, you know, uh the devil, whatever it is. And I have a position for somebody that goes over here and does something totally different. Well, you either get on the TV show, get on the pay-per-view, get on the casino show now, or we can wait till there's a spot for that character. And, you know, back in the day, we had a character uh, we had the enemies of the state and the enemies of the state, you know, was Saiku and Sheik and eventually Sean Devari was, you know, led to be the leader of this group. Well, you know, in a lot of situations like that and in that type of group, you know, there's going to be a money guy. So we had a younger student who was still training and he was getting pretty good but he wasn't ready. So I needed a character that I created called the Hefe. And the Hefe was the boss. He was the guy with the money. He was the guy in charge of things. Because at the time, the enemies of the state were feuding with uh, Remy Marcel and Bryce Harrison when he was the dude. And the dude had his longtime friend manager, Scratch with a K, who was a local comedian. And, and, and Bryce was the surfer dude, you know, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, at the time, it was three on two when it was Remy, Bryce, and Scratch. So with the Hefe coming in as the manager, it kind of evened the odds. So then we ended up having at the old Boulder Highway School, we had a big match. It was probably the 4th of July weekend. 
and we had a flag match. And it was, you know, Hefe's first match probably because he was perceived as their manager. He wasn't ready to wrestle. And then yeah. it ended up breaking off and him and Scratch had a match and, and then all this stuff. But he got his foot into the door to where the guy hasn't wrestled in probably eight years. But if you go on his Twitter page, he's still the Hefe. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. it was like, that's not where he planned on going. But that's where he got his notoriety and where he got known from. Yeah. Um, speaking of notoriety and getting known, Greg Sharp. Man, Gregory Sharp has been on fire the past year or so. Um, he's getting that opportunity against Remy Marcel for the Nevada State title on the uh, on the card. Uh, you know, is there something to be said where you have a match where you have two guys like Remy and Gregory Sharp who have been around for, uh, you know, a good amount of time, have been in FSW for a good amount of time as well, that by building up, uh, you know, a, a title feud, um, does that elevate those two guys in what could be a stale type thing? Because even though the fans like someone like a Remy, a lot of times you go through almost every story or possible, you know, thing imaginable for a guy like him to go through because of the longevity. And obviously, you know, Hyperstreak was one way to go for Gregory Sharp, but now he's got this fresh new character, which has a lot of uh, the derivative of the character from his own self. Um, does that elevate those guys to a different level? And could we possibly be seeing the first uh, of many, uh, you know, matches between the two of them, uh, you know, because of the fact that Gregory is really wrestling, um, you know, on that basis of he's, you know, not respected enough. Everything in wrestling that is hugely successful in most cases is going to be based off some reality. Okay. Uh, in the situation we led up to a Nevada state title tournament. Okay. And as the build came, the story of Hyperstreak was here's a guy who's well-liked, hasn't won any any championships, and now he's gone through the the cycle, and now he's got one, one more obstacle, and that's Remy Marcel, who arguably is the most decorated superstar in FSW history. He's held the heavyweight title. He held it the elite title when it was in existence. He held the no limits title. He held the tag team titles. Now he's going after the Nevada state, which is one of the titles, which is an extension of the elite title. Went dormant, decided to bring in the Nevada state. Remy has not had that title. So we set up the match. It's can, can hyper streak. Finally, after 11, 12 years in the business, capture this. Things were looking Sharp's way. Remy Marcel, who as well-liked as Hyperstreak is, isn't as liked as much as Remy Marcel. Remy Marcel is beloved in the arena. He can carry a shovel. He can hit you with it. 
and people are still going to cheer Remy Marcel. So at the end of the match, Remy Marcel decides he's going to put Hyperstreak away for good, pulls the canvas off, pulls the padding off, and basically pile drives Hyperstreak through the wood. Pins him, one, two, three. Remy Marcel now, again, goes on to becoming the Nevada State Champion. Okay? Now, Hyperstreak disappears for a while. When he returns, he attacks Jay Vidal, who he considers the new flavor of the month. And he legitimately has animosity because he's done a lot of things in FSW, and I'll be the first to say, you know, he was great to have around. He was like that utility guy. He was, he could play second base today, third base tomorrow. You know, I'd put him on a future shock and work with a young kid and tell him, hey, give this kid a little bit, see how he does, because he was so patient with them. And maybe he was was being bypassed. And I looked at him as this top utility guy, and he felt with all that he's put into this company and all he's done that he's not getting the recognition he feels that he should. And as I said, the time he kind of walked right past me at Smith's during the pandemic when I hadn't seen him in a while. And I was like, what the fuck? You know, because I'm looking at things one way as he's highly respected. He's a guy that I can count on. When there's some, one of the trainers aren't there, he's going to fill right in and he's going to do a great job. Now, when it came to the wrestling, he was always on. He was always put in a good position, but he never got to that level. And there were guys who would come in after him and they would jump him and they would get shots at the titles and they would get these big matches while he felt he was being neglected. Well, when he cut that first promo, you could see inside him that he was hurt over that situation. But instead of crying about it, going on social media about it, he took things under in his head made that promo, made himself viable. So despite that, I don't think Hyperstreak was ready to become a champion. And he had to do some different things. Well, now he's done those different things, and he's probably been one of our most valuable players over this last time frame. You know, him and Jay Vidal got over huge, you know, and, and it didn't hurt Jay in any way. But at the end of the day, Hyperstreak won that feud, you know, right. and he wasn't Hyperstreak anymore. He was Gregory Sharp. Hyperstreak is is so long forgotten. It's amazing. That's how good a job he's doing it now yeah. that Hyperstreak is like seems like it was years ago and yeah. it wasn't. So now all that animosity is built up. There's only one place for Gregory Sharp to go. Because in reality, in one way, Remy Marcel helped Gregory Sharp become what he is today. If it wasn't for Remy Marcel, he still might be hyperstreak rolling in the midcard. Yeah. But it's... after that situation, he looked back and thought to himself, what do I need to do? And, you know, there's complacency. You know, maybe you think, hey, you know what? There's nowhere nowhere for me to go. I'm right where I'm going to be, whatever. You know, I like it there. It's cool, but I'm never going to be a champion. Instead, he worked his ass off, 
to get himself to where you have no choice but to put him in the mix with those guys. Yeah. So to me, it's full circle. Now it's Remy Marcel against Gregory Sharp. Nobody's looking at it as, oh, yeah, that's hyperstreak. You beat him before. No big deal. Yeah. You know, so, you know, hopefully we've helped build, which other companies don't do. It's kind of like, you know, again, Gregory Sharp and Remy Marcel, they wrestled some matches in, in Phoenix for uh, Dom's company, but it had way different meaning. It was a match that's going to be really good no matter what. So when you have a really good match with no story, that's eh, a good match. You know, right. you're there to watch a good match. But now you're watching a good match that has a story. Now you're more invested in it. And right. maybe that person who's on the fence of coming to the show is now coming to the show because that story is intriguing to that person. Right. To that fan who loves FSW, but if they miss a show, oh, they'll catch the next one. Oh, we'll watch it on the network. Oh, we'll watch it on a replay. Whatever it is, you know, maybe now it's like, oh shit, I can't miss this fucking show. You know, right? I, I want to see what what happens with Sharp and Remy Marcel. You know, and and that's what you're hoping to build. You know, and that's what separates us from pretty much all the companies you know, that are around, whether it's in Vegas or on the West Coast or in Arizona, whatever it is, you know, FSW, a lot of the, a lot of things, especially at the casino shows are built up to stories. Sure. We're going to do a Mecca and the Mecca is just going to have great matches on it, which is just as necessary. You know, um, when you, when you think about that, uh, journey that Gregory Sharp has gone on. Obviously, it's been a long journey for him. Um, and, um, you know, some of the uh, talent that you've had over the years have made journeys. Uh, and one in particular made a journey from the kids class to becoming the women's champion. And that's Sandra Moon. This week, we uh, found out Sandra is vacating the championship. Um, what is the, uh, the story behind, uh, what's going on with Sandra Moon and, um, will there be, uh, any plans right now for the women's title in the future? You know, that, that story is for, for Sandra to tell, you know, not for me to tell it's her story. It was her decision. You know, we have no choice, but to accept it, you know, so, it's time for us, just like she's moving on. We have to move on. We're in discussions on what we're going to do. Are we going to do some matches March 27th toward a tournament? Are we going to do a tournament? We really haven't decided 100% what we want to do. But, you know, we we have Viva Van locked in for some shows. We have Maserati. Strella's back. Uh, you know, Bryn Thorne's always available. Uh you know, we're going to look, you know, we've talked with Christina Von Erie. So we're definitely in talks with uh, bringing in some some women. And hopefully uh, by March 27th, at worst, we'll have a direction of where we're going. MK, who's kind of uh, my partner in the women's shows, 
uh, future stars of women's wrestling. You know, he he's pitched some ideas. So it's possible that a, a full-blown tournament could happen at that show. Or what we do is we have a tournament of eight women and maybe we have qualifying matches at high octane and future shock leading to the, the, the final eight. But as I said, you know, we're, we're still figuring everything out, you know, and we hope to have that decision real soon. Like MK will be here on the 27th. So that's when we're going to have really the hard sit down of yeah. how we're going to break it down and what we're going to do. So, well, I mean, on the on the bright side, at least she didn't take the belt and uh, drop it in a trash can. Like, oh, uh, she may have. We haven't gotten it back yet, so hopefully oh, we'll get shit. it this week. So. Don't give her any ideas, will you? <laughs> oh shit! Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> well, you you mentioned uh, Strella, um, man. How is she looking? She looks like she's like a beast now, man. That she's. She's got it going on. I think this is going to be possibly a breakout for, for Strella. Well, she was on the verge of a breakout. The last time we saw her, it was the battle of the sexes, and, and she got the pinfall win. Yeah. And right after that, you know, she decided she needed a little bit of a break. And that break's been about four or five months. So hopefully the batteries are recharged. I actually talked to her a little bit yesterday. So, you know. We're going to see where where that leads, you know, and hopefully the head's on straight and she's she's ready to focus, man, because that's the key thing. If you're not focused and you have other things that you're concerned with, it, it's hard because she hasn't gotten to that level yet. You know, she was on the verge of becoming a big deal. And now she's got to kind of I wouldn't say start at the bottom, but she has to take a step back. And there's rust that's going to be there. You know, is is she working as hard as she did when she had her goal of becoming a women's wrestler and finally getting matches? Or does she not? So we don't really know, you know, until, until we see, you know, her in there with capable bodies. Yeah. Yeah, she's looking good, though, and that's... You know, that's good to see because, you know, when you take that time to uh, recharge yourself, um, you know, you can always uh, just kind of go down the other rabbit hole. And that is just letting yourself go and, and you know, having a lot of that that internalized in, in eating and, and making yourself just kind of step away from the gym. She looks like she's gotten, you know, a hell of a lot uh uh, more uh, focused in terms of what she wants to do. So hopefully uh, we'll see her break out this year to, uh, to the next level. Um, this week, a uh, big announcement from Tony Khan was that ROH is now his. Where do you stand on AEW owning ROH's, uh, at least the library and all the assets with a- ROH? Well, obviously, the library has huge value to it. You know, the word on the street is AEW is looking to get a streaming service also. Well, having Ring of Honor in 2022 in the streaming service 
means a hell of a lot more than WWE having Mid-South Wrestling. Right. You know, because as great a library as Mid-South and the AWA and all the stuff WWE has, there's a newer breed of wrestling fans in their 20s or 30s who aren't really aware of Mid-South. But everybody knows with Ring of Honor, how many of the hottest guys in professional wrestling today wrestled there and have a lot of matches between Punk and Danielson and Rollins and and all these guys, you know, Jay Lethal, whatever it is. You know, you can now go to the archives and you can watch all these all these dudes who are the current superstars of the world. Yeah. You know, that's great if you're a million dollar man fan and you want to go check out Mid-South. But, you know, in the past, if you were a Brian Danielson fan, all you had was what you probably watched already in WWE. Right. You know, now you can go back and you can watch Austin Aries and you can watch Punk and you can watch the de- development of some of these younger guys who went on to be, you know, big deals. You know, early Briscoe stuff, you know, Kenny yeah. King, you know, the, the, yeah. there's so much talent there and they're all featured. And a lot of them are featured in AEW. I think they said over 40 guys currently in AEW, you know, worked at Ring of Honor. Yeah. So that alone makes it valuable. Now, if they paid $100 million for it, then, yeah, it was probably a dumb decision. I doubt they did. And the idea of having another a Ring of Honor show instead of AEW uh, Green as the ninth show, having Ring of Honor and being in 500-seat arenas like what NXT did, basically, to try to steal the Ring of Honor-type crowd. Now AEW wants to position themselves as WWE competition, and now Ring of Honor becomes NXT. You know, Ring of Honor lost a lot over the last year with GCW jumping it and not doing shows in front of fans and losing so many people to AEW. It's like, you know, a lot of the AEW fans were ROH fans before they were WWE fans. Right. And revamping Ring of Honor and having a Jay Lethal lead, lead it or having Gresham involved and all these guys you know as long as it's it's situated in the same way it is you know you don't make it like ECW where you're you're on after uh, AEW rampage tapings and it's 1 in the morning and you, you you're going to do your version of ROH matches you know make yeah. it its own entity make it like NXT um any final thoughts as we kind of wrap up for this week on uh, what's going on with you and the, the future? Well, you know, we're, we're waiting on uh, Silver Nugget to put together the package. We're really looking to do a three to four day grouping of events at, at Silver Nugget, you know. We're looking AEW weekend. It's going to be big. There's going to be a lot of wrestling fans in town. You know, pretty sure they have almost fifteen to 20,000 tickets sold at T-Mobile for Sunday's show. Yeah. So Saturday is is a done deal. 
You know, uh, our guy Ed in San Antonio is going to do a women's show. We're going to do a show. And another one of our good friends is going to be doing a show. We're waiting to make the announcements on that. Now, we heard that Rampage, it seems like through the tickets, on Friday, they're going to do a live taping. But the taping starts at 3 in the afternoon. Right. So, what are people going to do on Friday night? Go see Chris Angel or go see some more good wrestling? You know, I suggest they go see more good wrestling. And we've talked with Booker T and we've talked with other companies. So there's other companies that want to get involved and we want to have our own version, you know, of the GCW collective to where we have, you know, company out of Washington, company out of California, company out of Arizona, company out of Utah, whoever wants in, we, you know, the strong survive, you know, if you draw 40 people, at your home arena, we probably don't want you coming out here. You know, we want to, we're we're trying to get the biggest and best companies to come out together that have name guys that, you know, are synonymous with great talent, you know, whether it's the crew from LA fights or, or any of the other stuff that's going on. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that. And then, you know, as we build, you know, because of everything, we're looking at our anniversary show separate from the uh, the May extravaganzas. And we're looking to do uh, June 18th, 13 uh, year anniversary. So that's also going to be something big uh, for future shock. You know, I'm still going to be heavily involved, but, you know, it looks like we're going to let my son and Remy Marcel you know, handle the reins a little bit of future shock. And, you know, as much as I love doing the shows, you know, it's okay. You know, I want to focus on other things. You know, there's a lot of things going on in life and, you know, dealing with the school and dealing with the kids and, you know, I've always accepted people's help. Uh, But now, now it's all it is is now it's really official. So everybody involved will know that they're involved. Uh, You know, I just got word uh, from Remy Marcel that on April 9th at our next Future Shock, the return of my good buddy, Evan Daniels. (laughs) Can you believe it? Is he uh, is he coming with his tag partner, R3? And uh... Uh, we I don't know yet. R3 hit me up also. Nice. So, but we're looking for spots because I know that Arizona crew, John Wolfgang, Devin Reno, uh, probably uh, the Grizz Brody kid for sure, we're, we're definitely going to use. We're looking at Alvaric Reiner, who uh, in the past, I'll be honest, never really impressed me much. You know, I know we filmed it earlier and we were talking about how Mike Camden was, was Hammerstone Light and then Reiner we called, uh, I called uh, Camden Light. And uh, Reiner's mainly worked as a heel in the few times we had him and a spot opened up and we put him in the six team, six man with uh, lights, camera faction. And I've never seen him show that much fire. Like the, the crowd was fired up because he was so fired up and it was like, well, you know, let's see if we can take that somewhere. Yeah. And it, it sounds like, uh, you know, the, the more development <laughs> that's coming out of, uh, uh, Dom school in Arizona that uh, looks like 
maybe the uh, FSW uh, Arizona connection starts running shows in Arizona. Is that? Yeah, you know, we're ho- we're hoping. You know, we talk with John Wolfgang a lot, and uh, he's a real good dude. It's funny he started off as a ring announcer. Yeah, and became a wrestler, and now I hear he's, uh, which I didn't even know till the last time I saw him that, you know, he's involved with the ownership of the company. So you know, he kept that under the radar for a long time. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. And so I was uh, like, ah, oh, I don't need to talk to Dom. I'll just talk to you about doing <laughs> shit down there. You know, and I'm sure, and I'm sure Dom will be like, yeah, please talk to him. Um, as we, uh, as we say goodbye this week, um, is there anything that you're looking forward to, uh, this coming week in, uh, the, the, uh, March Madness getting announced? Are you, uh, are you following what's going to be going on for the tournament this year? Nah, not really. You know, in the past, I used to bet every game when it came to that. And as the older you get, you know, sports drop off, you know, so I've become a bigger football fan and then because I played baseball all my life and it's also the best sport to bet, I, I, I only bet baseball and football, which is pro and college. It don't matter. But, you know, I feel the odds to win betting parlays aren't the best thing to do. And that's why most people don't win. So that's why in football, I'll just bet the teasers because there's more value in that. And in baseball, because of the run lines and the money lines, you know, you can bet $5, hit a six teamer and win 650 bucks. Like I did in the past, you know, while if you bet $5 in a six teamer in football and you bet the spreads, you're going to win like a hundred bucks. So so yeah, March Madness, it'll be on. I'm gonna, I'm up early, so I'm definitely gonna watch it. You know, there's teams I like from the past, like a Gonzaga. So yeah. it's like I'm always kind of rooting for them, you know. And then there's certain teams you hate, and you never want to root for them. <laughs> so kind of like in football, I hate Notre Dame. So unless I'm betting them, which I do bet them because I think sure. if I they're gonna win, you know, that's what I'm gonna bet. But as a team, I despise them. I was always like an Oklahoma fan growing up, so. I, I dreamt of going to Oklahoma University when I was like nine years old watching college football and they were running the wishbone offense back in the day. And it was like, ah, and that was my favorite team. And I hated Nebraska, too. So at nine years old, living in New York, I wanted to go to buttfuck Oklahoma to go to college because I liked their football team, even though I didn't play football. Oh, man, Joe, if you would have gone to Oklahoma, you would now be like hanging out with Jim Ross and having drinks. Yeah, see, we would have been buddies, Brian Bosworth. Yeah. You know, I'd be making commercials with Baker Mayfield for the Geico (laughs) or whatever that is they do. Oh, man. Oh, the Boz. Talk about one of my favorite favorite guys. Still remember the Sports Illustrated cover with Brian Bosworth and Jim McMahon. And, uh, man, good memories. Yeah, even Hor- better memories when Bo Jackson ran him over. Over, exactly. Hor- horrible end, uh, you know, <laughs> for a guy so hyped, he, he you know, barely produced. Yeah, he had, a, he had a miserable pro football career. Yeah. But, uh, but almost he put as out- bad as Tim Tebow. 
Yeah. Well, at least the Bosworth put out a couple uh, solid, uh, you know, 90s action films that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Was, was it Stone Cold or something? Cold. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good movie. <laughs> oh, man. If uh, anyone listening has never seen it, check out Stone Cold. That's your uh, homework for this weekend. Um, and again, the, Steve Austin would make a remake make of that called right. Stone Cold. <laughs> Um, and it was fright when he became Stone Cold Steve Austin. It was funny because that movie was only you know like a year or two old. It wasn't it wasn't too long, so it was it was kind of a head scratcher the first time I heard it. Man, still, why is he naming himself after the movie? And it's you hear the story and, and understand what Stone Cold actually meant. It's like okay. But uh, yeah, great, great little flick. Uh, if you have an uh, hour and a half to uh, to waste this weekend uh, with uh, the Boz, go ahead and, and do that. Um, again, FSW Network, six ninety nine a month, um, and you'll be able to uh, see this past uh, Future Shock, the upcoming one uh, coming up in April. And uh, I'm uh, assuming the uh, Day of Reckoning will be on the network as well. Is that correct, Jeff? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty certain uh, we're going to give that that show a, a special uh, network uh, appearance. Nice. Um, so definitely if uh, you, you know, you want to tune in and see some of the uh, catalog of FSW and uh, new programming that they do, please check out the network again, $6.99 a month and uh, all the Vegas bad boys of podcasting as always. Uh, appreciate your time, Joe. And for everyone listening out there, we will see you guys next time. Take care, everybody.